This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. OH, this is where you say IO. Um, as you're watching or listening via the 92 to the Fan YouTube page, or via the Odyssey app, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. And as always, I want to remind you that we are a new podcast. Nick Wilson and I here at Sons of the Shoe, and we encourage you to follow, like, subscribe, whatever you want to call it, wherever you get your podcasts, and continue to follow along all off-season long as we lead you up to the 2024 season later this fall. And I tell you what, I get more and more excited about that by the day that uh, football will be coming here at some point uh, later in the year, I wish it was a lot sooner because it's only February, but I, I am just giddy with excitement about this upcoming Ohio State season. Given everything that's transpired during the, the offseason to this point, all the moves and things that have been made, um, there's a lot of reason to be excited about Buckeyes football uh, next fall. We're going to dive into some of these topics, uh, some some commentary from Ryan Day last week. Nick, unfortunately, couldn't be with me for this episode, so we're just going to go with the flow. Um, I don't know that we're going to get to an hour long for this episode, but that's okay. We're going to keep the conversations fun. We're going to keep the conversations light. I got a whole bunch of stuff to cover. Uh, like I said, some Ryan Day comments from last week during his press conference. Uh, I also have some commentary from another Big Ten coach and James Franklin I thought was pretty interesting. We'll get to that in the third segment when we do our Michigan Panic Meter. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a good one, and I appreciate those of you who are, jump, or who are jumping in to uh, join us on the on the latest episode of Sons of the Shoe. I do want to start, though, because since we last spoke, it has become official that Bill O'Brien has left Ohio State. He takes the Boston College job, and his replacement has also been named, as we hinted at and talked about last week on Friday's episode in Chip Kelly. I got to be honest. like I, I, I think I was in the minority – when the Bill O'Brien hire was first announced. I I think there was a a lot of Buckeyes fans that I saw on social media who were skeptical. There was a lot of people who were going for the low-hanging fruit argument of, well, he's coached with Bill Belichick, and he's coached with Nick Saban, and he has no rings to show for his efforts. And and I think that's just lazy. Guys, Bill O'Brien is still one of the best offensive minds in the game of football. I think if if you disagree with that, you're just plain and simply wrong. Um, I thought it was a good hire. It, it was an obvious concession from Ryan Day that, listen, I need to give this up to somebody who has the experience and expertise that that uh, I, I believe can really run the show here and, and handle this pressure that comes with coaching at Ohio State in this way. So I, I think Bill O'Brien was a fine choice at the time. That said, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jeff Halfley, because I think in in some ways, or in many ways, I should say, Chip Kelly is actually a better option than Bill O'Brien. Again, not disparaging Bill O'Brien. I like the hire, unlike I think a lot of Ohio State, a lot of Ohio State fans. I think Nick felt similar to me. But I think Chip Chip Kelly is actually a better fit. There's a number of reasons why for this. I think starting with the idea that Ryan Day and Chip Kelly obviously have some history together. They worked together. Ryan Day got his first job working for Chip Kelly when he was at New Hampshire as the offensive coordinator. And Ryan Day came on his staff as a tight ends coach in 2002. He he quickly left and, and went to be a GA at Boston College from 2003 to 2004. But he spent at least that first year with him. And then when Chip Kelly got his big break into the NFL in 2013 after a very successful run as offensive coordinator and then head coach at Oregon when he took that program over and and turned them into basically the Oregon that we know now that is a prominent program with the crazy jersey combinations and is a a top-tier program in the country year after year. Now, as they join the Big Ten, they look to continue that. But he's really the guy who kind of blazed the path for Oregon to be what it is today. It took him to the first national championship during this, this more modern era. Like Chip Kelly was synonymous with that program for quite some time. And it's why he got a, an NFL job because he was able to just innovate the offensive game in college, but in a way that we had never seen before. Right. And so when he went to the NFL, Chip Kelly brings Ryan day with him, Later on in his tenure in Philadelphia, he cut, he came in 2015 to join his staff. That was the last year he was in Philly as a quarterback's coach. And then he took on the same role with the 49ers when Chip Kelly went to, to the 49ers in 2016 before he then signed on to be the OC or the co-OC, I should say, in 2017 under Urban Meyer here at Ohio State. So there's history there. There's been a lot written about how Ryan Day has kind of modeled his offense after Chip Kelly from those early days working together. And that that it's similar concepts, similar things that they want to do. Now, if you're sitting here asking yourself, why wasn't uh, Ryan Day's offense putting up numbers in the same way that Chip Kelly's was? I I think starting the the first response to that is, I think back when he was just an offensive coordinator, kind of running the show in that way, the offense I think was comparable to some of those years. I think with CJ Stroud, the offense was comparable to some of those years. And it was the whole, did the, are they soft on defense thing that kind of came back to bite him against Michigan in recent seasons uh, and in the trenches, uh, a, a trend that they're still trying to buck. But I think with Ryan Day deciding to take a step back now, he doesn't, listen, if he, if he doesn't have to beat Chip Kelly, the play caller, I think maybe in some ways he was trying to convince himself that he was like, I can run this offense just as good as Chip. And it hasn't really worked out in recent years where you lose to Michigan, you're not winning the playoff, you're not doing what Ohio State is supposed to do or looking like Ohio State's supposed to look like in uh, in, in some games, most notably this past year with CJ or sorry with uh, Kyle McCord. So I I don't know it's it's so much that he is he isn't a good offensive coordinator and he can't do it as well as Chip Kelly, but I also don't think he ha- he he doesn't have to be, um, especially now that he has Chip coming in to kind of take the reins here. But I I. I think that because of the history there, because of what we know about Chip Kelly's offense, it's almost like he's going back to the mastermind behind it all. And I'm okay with that. Like it, it, it if Ryan Day is trying to become a Jedi master, there's a phase right now in his, in terms of a head coach, there's a phase right now in his training where he's like, you know what? I'm going to go back and, and talk to master Yoda a little bit and, and finish my training by getting somebody who has the experience and expertise that I need to kind of put myself over the top here and make this thing happen long-term so that I can be better in the future. I I can give him credit for being willing to concede that to Chip Kelly, but there's also the familiarity there, which I think helps the cause here, which is probably why it was easy. It was easy for Chip Kelly, even though he got denied the first time when he interviewed for the job to actually come back and take the job the second time around as kind of Ohio state's second choice, if you will. I also think Chip Kelly, as Nick and I have talked about a bunch of times already, just wanted to – he wanted to get away from UCLA because I think he saw the writing on the wall. He was trending in the wrong direction. There's a good chance that um, he's probably – he was probably going to get fired at the end of the season anyway. 
And so this is an opportunity to reunite yourself with somebody you're familiar with, somebody that is putting their trust in you, an offense that is, again, similar, similarly designed stylistically to yours. It, it, it feels like it's going to be a perfect fit from that standpoint. But the other reason I'm excited about this, and this is more so what, what you guys care about as, as fans of this team and followers of the, the Ohio State program, the biggest thing that gives me that that has me excited about the 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 outlook of this offense moving forward with Chip Kelly calling the calling the plays is I mean just go back to any season and pull up the numbers that that Chip Kelly's offenses have 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 posted. Uh, Ohio State last year ranked 79th in rushing yards per attempt uh, at 4.2 last season. Kelly has overseen five offenses that either led college or the NFL in rushing yards per attempt among 10 total offenses at those levels and has ranked in the top 10 in that category. I mean, let me read that one more time. Kelly has overseen five offenses that led either college or the NFL in rushing yards per attempt among 10 total offenses at those levels that have ranked in the top 10 in that category. So, the proof is in the pudding. He's going to be a running. He, he's always been a really, really good running offense. He he he's got the most out of the players, players that like to run the football, and that is a priority I think for Ohio State next year. When you have Quinshawn Judkins, when you have Travion Henderson, that's gonna. I think you got to go kind of go back to the basics here and make that your bread and butter. You add in the fact that Will Howard, what was the the the, the quarterback that really made Chip Kelly's offense take off and and just be a juggernaut was Marcus Mariota. Same sort of style, right? He can run the football. He can do the RPO stuff. If you're going to have a really good run game, you want that to be part of your arsenal. Chip Kelly is going to bring that to the table. That's not to say the receivers don't matter and they're not going to include those guys. I mean, this team, as we know, has athletes all over the field. And I think that's where you can kind of blend some of what Ryan Day wants to do with what Chip Kelly wants to do in an offense that, again, is basically modeled after one another um, it, he's going to prioritize getting the ball to these receivers that he's bringing in, throwing the football a little bit more. And I think it's a good sort of blending of, of uh, mentalities here, which is great. Some other stats for you. Oregon, when Chip Kelly was there, finished in the top 12 nationally in scoring offense in all six seasons that he was overseeing, that Chip Kelly was seeing the offense there, while it finished top 12 nationally in offense in five of those six seasons. So on top of um, finishing in the top six for all those seasons, they also finished in the top five in six of those seasons. So again, you can just go fi- go find whatever stats you want to prove to you that Chip Kelly's offenses get results. And if you want to tell me that there's been a drop off, I understand where you're coming from. But here's the here's the evidence of the progressions that he made from his time at UCLA in terms of what his offenses uh, essentially looked like and improved each year. So Chip Kelly's UCLA offenses starting in 2018, they were 98th in scoring that first year. But again, it's his first year, not a lot of not a lot of his players, not a lot of his personnel that he wants to bring in. 2019, they jumped up to 52nd. 2020, they were 20th in scoring, 35.4 points per game. 2021, they were 13th, 36.5 points per game. And then in 2022, that number jumped to the highest it was while he was at UCLA, eighth overall, 39.2 points per game. This past year, he dropped back down to 70th. Again, he took a step back slightly, but the but he was still top 32, 32nd in total scoring in college football this past year. And the same thing can be said about the rushing numbers at, at UCLA. They were 86th the first year he got there uh, in rushing yards per game. That number jumped to 81st in 2019, 20th, or sorry, 12th in 2020, 14th in 2021, 6th in 2022. They were still 17th in rushing this past year in 2023. So listen, he wants to run the football. He's going to give you an efficient, effective running offense. And I think that's good for Ohio State because what was the thing that we kept throwing out leading up to that Michigan game? The team that had won the running battle in that matchup 
every year for however long, I forget how long the streak was, like over a decade, has won the game. And the last three years, Michigan's won the run game. They've won the game. Um, This has clearly been a priority for Ohio State this season. I think when Ryan Day talks about his team becoming tough again, that starts with building an offense that can run the football more effectively, more physically, and have that be a true weapon for you. Because this year, there was moments where Travion Henderson kind of carried things, and he just, on pure athleticism alone, broke free, made some plays, and you said, man, if they can get that from Trevion Henderson consistently, this offense could really start moving. But it wasn't consistent enough. Up front, they were getting bullied at times. And now, I think a lot of the moves you've seen this offseason, aside from obviously the recruiting trail, you're bringing in more top-flight receivers and a future quarterback and some other guys with the transfer portal that, that in, in, um, in, um, at, at the quarterback, Julian Sayin, who transferred in from Alabama. Um, you, you're, you're still going to be able to do a multitude of things. You're still going to be able to run that pro style where you drop back and pass a lot, but you get Quinshawn Judkins for a reason. He's more of a between the tackles guy. And then you got Travion Henderson who can bounce it outside and do some things in more of the zone style runs and, uh, sort of the toss plays the the change of pace you're going to get the fact that Will Howard clearly is a quarterback that you need to be able to utilize the run game with. Um, just his running ability with, and that won't always necessarily, that hasn't always been the case with Ryan Day. Uh, think back to the CJ Stroud season or seasons. Why weren't they running the football more with him? We saw him run the football in the NFL this year, and it was, I mean, uh, it was a masterpiece. Even in that Georgia game, he, he ran the football more, and it was a weapon that we hadn't seen exercised by Ryan Day all, all year. It made no sense. So they're clearly try, trying to prioritize that skill set with the quarterback with their offense, and Chip Kelly is a perfect person to come in and sort of be the straw that serves the drink and get the most out of those guys, which is why I'm so, so excited about this group. Scoring numbers, going to go up, up, up. Rushing numbers, going to go up, up, up. And here's the other thing, because Nick and I hit on this last week too. There were some comments made by Dante Moore when he left UCLA that he transferred to, I believe he went to Michigan, I think he ended up at Michigan State, um, that he wanted to go somewhere or excuse me. I I apologize. He ended up in Oregon. Ironically. Um, I know he was linked to Michigan state. Um, He made a comment about how he wants to go somewhere where he can be developed. I think why Ohio state is a unique opportunity. Like normally you'd hear that and it would be a glaring. Oh no. Chip Kelly. Is he not developing guys the same? Is it just about like, fitting into his system and getting the, like, what does that mean that he didn't feel like he was getting developed by Chip Kelly? Who's one of the better offensive minds in college football at the moment. So that should send up some red flags, but here's why I think it works in this current situation. It doesn't have to be all on Chip Kelly to develop these guys. I think Ohio state has a reputation of we can develop guys and send them to the NFL. Look at the number of players from Ohio state that are starting on Sundays especially at the wide receiver position, but in other positions as well. The proof is in the pudding. Ohio State gets results, and Ryan Day has gotten results, especially on the offensive side of the ball, of sending guys to the pros. The, the We talked about it a little bit too. C.J. Stroud wins Offensive Rookie of the Year. The year before that, it was uh, Garrett Wilson. We asked if they're going to be able to get a 3 P with Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. Like, there's clear evidence that Ohio State develops guys that that and, and gets them ready for the next level. That kind of erases the need for Chip Kelly to take that role on. He can come here, clean slate, clear head, clear mind, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, and just focus on, I'm here to build this offense and get this thing going in the right direction. And the development will kind of take care of itself because Ohio State has already developed a reputation for being a program that gets those results. So it's kind of the blending of two different things here, which is why I don't worry about that as much. That just that, that the established narrative about Ohio state is that they already do that. And so Chip Kelly's stepping in and he can just focus on what he needs to focus on taking this offense to another level while Ohio state through the coaching that they have through the program that they have, will will make sure that, that within the, the process of, establishing this offense that Chip Kelly wants to run and having the success in the field, 
they're also getting those guys ready for the next level. I, I think it's a perfect situation, a perfect fit. I, as much as I love the Bill O'Brien, as much as I did like the Bill O'Brien hire, this is better. It's it's a match made in heaven. It's a perfect match on Valentine's Day. It's all about finding the perfect match. And for Ohio State, I think Chip Kelly is that. How excited are you about the addition of Chip Kelly? Do you think it's an upgrade from Bill O'Brien? I gave some reasons why I think it is. We can talk about those some more. I'm sure we will when, I, when I'm rejoined by Nick later this week. When we get back, though, I want to take a break. I want to play you some clips from Ryan Day's press conference last week that I thought were pretty interesting, both in relation to calling the plays, some comments uh, responding to uh, an SEC head coach who called Ohio State out for all the money that they were spending. We'll get to that coming up. we still got some audio from James Franklin to get to, plus the Michigan Panic Meter. Still plenty of content coming your way here on Sons of the Shoe. Keep it locked after we hear uh, from a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. We are back on Sons of the Shoe, or I should say I am back. Spencer German with you. Nick needed a uh, – had some stuff coming up and wasn't able to join me for this this latest edition. But we should reconnect on Friday and be back in the saddle together, and we'll certainly pick his brain on some of these things, including – I'm going to ask him the question I asked in the first segment. Do you think Chip Kelly is an even better hire than Bill O'Brien? I do think, too – I didn't have time to get to this, but I, I do think – because I'm sure people are asking the questions of like, why wasn't this the move in the first place? It's a only Ryan Day can answer that. Um, I, I'm guessing that there's a level of, I'm sure it's a tough choice regardless, but obviously Bill O'Brien has had success on an immense scale at all these different places, whether it's college, whether it's the NFL. Chip Kelly had some moments that were, you know, somewhere, college he was great at Oregon, goes to the NFL. It was a, a hit or miss at times. There was evidence that the offense was turning the corner and getting better in Philadelphia. And then it seemed like his style of just leadership and, and taking on personnel responsibilities blew up in their face. Um, and so he never really came to fruition at that level. Bill O'Brien has had success across the board, no matter where he's gone. And there might've just been a little bit more, even though he knows Chip Kelly, a little bit more like, Hey, I, this is like the top candidate out there. Like just based on the, the circles and the conversations in, within college football, I'm sure Ryan Day had some some you know evidence or um, some urging from people close to him of hey can't go all Bill O'Brien it's it's probably the top option out there and Chip Kelly was probably a close second the familiarity helps but I'm guessing that that they just probably liked Bill O'Brien a little bit more just given his experience and expertise but that doesn't mean Chip Kelly's a bad hire and like I said I actually think it works out in their favor because of the familiarity between the two. And what Ohio State has kind of been lacking from an identity standpoint, he brings to the table. And they also sort of balance out Chip Kelly with the developmental side of things where they can kind of blend everything together and hopefully be singing beautiful harmonies this fall. Uh, I want to pivot a little bit here because along the lines of the play calling and Ryan Day giving it up and bringing in the right guy, 
something he's already mentioned a couple times this offseason that he wasn't going to give it up if it wasn't for the right guy. Bill O'Brien was the guy initially. Now it's Chip Kelly. He had some interesting comments in his press conference last week. First time we had heard from him in a while just about the the idea of why he's given up play calling and how he doesn't really want to give up play calling because let's face it none of these coaches they all have egos they all have um they all want control of everything that word's come up a lot on on sons of the shoe lately the word control they want their hands on every little thing if you're an offensive coach one of the most important things that you can have your hands on is being the guy in charge of running the offensive plays so i do think ryan day just love the idea of, listen, th- this is what I'm good at. This is what I want to do. I want to come up with these game plans. And he talks about that in this clip I'm about to play you. But I also think it takes uh, it takes a good coach to swallow his pride and say, I can be better and serve this team better if I take a step back and let somebody else do this. Um, it's an interesting clip. I, I think it gives some insight into kind of where his head's at with giving up this decision. We'll play this year right now. I, I know that um, that that is an ideal situation moving forward. I know that it has to happen. Um, there's so much that's going on right now in college football. Uh, do I want to? No, I don't. I love the football part of it. I love calling plays. I love being in there. But you know, I, I'm I'm getting pulled out, and I'm just not, um, you know, on a on a Wednesday night, you know, thinking about what to call on you know third and four on the 21 yard line you know, in the third quarter of a game, like those are all the things you rehearse in your mind. And it takes a lot of work. And I know that my energy and time and all that stuff needs to be in other areas. And um, especially with everything going on right now across the board, just with the team and the portal and NIL and just all those types of things. So um, I know that's the right thing to do, but now making sure the right person's in place was critical. That audio and video courtesy of Buckeyes Now, by the way. Um, but I, I think this is – it's an eye-opening response from Ryan Day because it gives you a peek behind the curtain as to what coaches at this level are going through right now. Just in general with the, the changing landscape of college football, everything that's on their plate from recruiting to making sure that in the moment – and he actually had a longer answer, I think, the question before that about just day-to-day or or on game day, what he can kind of get his hands in when he's not calling the plays. And he mentioned, you know, I can have a a little bit more insight into the defense and and what's going right and wrong with them and and talk to those guys. I can have my hand a little bit more in special teams and what is or isn't working and and how we can adjust during the game. He also mentioned that um, it it just kind of frees him up to, in those moments – sometimes where there's a key decision, say it's fourth and two in the in the fourth quarter and, and you got to decide if you're going to punt with six minutes left and try to stop them and get the ball back one possession game or you're going to go for it, he can focus more on what's the, the right decision, what do we kind of have at our disposal rather than thinking through quickly, what play am I going to call? And he, he talked even more about just how you have to have the right play call and if you don't have the right play call, then what's even the point of going for it? I thought it was interesting insight. Um, and listen, like, I don't know if this is an admission that Ryan day just isn't a good play caller. Like I sort of said, first segment, I think it's just an admission that in today's landscape of college football, the head coach is getting pulled in a multitude of different directions. And if he wants to truly be able to, to, to drive his program in the right, in the right direction, in the right place, he needs to take a step back from this one thing that it probably wasn't easy for him to give up, as he alluded to in that clip, but that he feels it's the right choice for his team just in terms of progressing and moving forward and, and having the best chance to win. I respect the hell out of Ryan Day for that, and I, I think it just speaks largely to, the, the again, with, with, with everything going on in college football right now, just the, the mindset of, of a head coach. Because, um, frankly, I mean, the, between this – between his reaction that we played here on the show several weeks back on, on signing day when Jeremiah Smith announces that he was coming to Ohio State and he kind of did like the fake like passing out thing on the podium, I like that to me speaks to a guy who recognizes that there's so much going on right now in college football that he is trying to keep keep track of and keep his head above water on. And if he can take one less thing off of his plate, 
give it to somebody he trusts in Chip Kelly to run the offense and put together the game plan each week. And then he just kind of has the veto overriding power. I think that's for the better. And clearly he thinks that's for the better. And if it's all about winning in the end and it's, it's, and this is how you do it in the margins. I think that stuff's important. I I really, really do. So I, I think this is the right move by Ryan day. And I, I'd love to hear these answers and responses because I, I do think it gives insight into the, he's not the only coach in college football dealing with this stuff. By no means is he the only one thinking about NIL and recruiting and um, trying to keep the, the entire program sort of moving in the right direction and keeping everybody happy where there's a lot of mouths to feed when you have so much talent on your roster at this, at the moment and guys at any moment can enter the transfer portal. Like, how do you juggle all that? Plus, each week you're building a game plan for the following game. Maybe it is a weakness of his. Maybe it's just if he got if he ever gets to the NFL and he can focus just on that as an offensive coordinator, maybe we'd see him really thrive because he wouldn't have to worry about all the other bullshit that college coaches have to worry about. I don't know. I, I don't think Ryan Day is a bad play caller. I just think in this moment, in this situation he's in at Ohio State, where he talks all the time about we're chasing the top one to two percent. He dropped that line in last week's press conference three or four times. We're chasing the top 1% to 2%. There's so much going on. There's so much to worry about that him taking a step back makes a lot of sense to me. And it's it, it, it he wasn't going to do it for the right unless it was the right person, right? He found two guys that he felt like were the right person. This one and Chip Kelly, somebody who he's worked with before. It's, it's about like being a good head coach is also about trust. Being a good head coach is also about delegating certain things. And so for him to kind of evolve in that way and make this decision, it's it's the right thing for Ohio State. And it, it speaks to a guy who is trying to be as successful as he can at this level at one of the top tier programs. And we'll see how it pays off. We'll see if it works out. If it, if it pays dividends and they beat Michigan and they go win a national championship, he probably never takes play calling back again. Um, and as long as he's at Ohio State. And I think, you know, everyone will forgive him for the the errors of his ways in recent years of losing to Michigan because he'll have the program back on track. Um, but, yeah, like the reason I love that response is because he's a guy who, as the, as the sport is evolving, he is evolving. And I think that's important. It, it's, it's as you see all these coaches fleeing and whether or not it's really about just, well, the game isn't what this isn't what I signed up for anymore or whether or not it's about the the true – just, hey, this is a better opportunity for me to go to the NFL and get something off my plate. Um, and the, Or it's just a better job with, with more money for some of these guys. Whatever the case may be, I, I, I think like Ryan Day is embracing the fact that he can't stay the same at this level anymore. Or it, it's adapt or die. That's probably the best way to put it. He is giving up play calling because he's willing to adapt because he knows that if he doesn't, he's either going to lose his job at Ohio State uh, the Ohio State program is going to falter. Um, he's going to have this scarlet letter on him of he's just not good at this thing. He's not good at calling plays. He's not a good head coach. There's a lot of different ways that this can go. I applaud him and commend him for trying to do what other coaches aren't. And, and that's kind of been the story of Ohio State's offseason in general has been their ability to adapt or die. They're not sitting back saying, well, we'll figure out the NIL stuff later. We're just going to go off reputation alone. No, they dove headfirst into – Let's hit the transfer portal. Let's bring in some top guys and, and pay them for it and embrace the NIL stuff. And another, Ryan, they mentioned seven guys in the portal last year, six guys this year. So even last year, they weren't shy about the portal. Now there's just more money involved. And Lane Kiffin made a comment about that. We'll get to his response to that here in a second. But I, I, I think this all just speaks to this, this almost new mentality about Ohio State. And Ryan Day sort of downplayed the idea that it was new. He said, you always got to think like this at Ohio State. You always got to be trying to chase the top, that top spot and those top teams so you can't ever stay stagnant. But this is the first time we've seen them because of the Michigan championship and because they've lost to them three years in a row, they have just gone gung-ho on, hey, we're all in on this thing. They're pushing the chips to the center of the table. And I think that's what Ohio State fans should want and should be pleased to see them doing. Let's go to this Lane Kiffin thing because Lane Kiffin a couple weeks back made the comments about how Ohio State spent $13 million or whatever it is on players in the portal to build this mega superstar roster that they have assembled here going into 2024. 
They're basically people are looking at Ohio State and it's Thanos just collecting the Mind Stone and he's completed the Infinity Gauntlet right now. That's kind of what it seems like. And to get there, Ohio State's spending a lot of money to do so. Ryan Day played this down the middle. He gave a very political response, um, but I want you to hear what he had to say and we'll react to it on the other side. New experience to have like SEC coaches accusing Ohio State of having too much money or spending too much money. Um, <clears throat> you comfortable with that? Like, did, you, did you find that weird or bringing up the old comments from two years ago about the payroll and size of all that? Well, I just think um, recruiting is always going to be competitive. It is. And and so um, that's just, you know, kind of how it goes. And, um, you know, we're always trying to bring in the best talent we possibly can, but also the right culture fit for Ohio State. And I've said this before, you don't just bring anybody in here. Um, but all of these guys wanted to be here. I think that's probably the most significant. You know, Caleb wanted to be here. Quinshawn wanted to be here. Will wanted to be here. Um, you know, th these weren't situations where, um, you know, certainly you have to recruit, but we want guys who want to be here because in the portal nowadays, if they don't like it, they can just leave. So a big part of that is opening up our doors and our players, um, you know, really recruiting our guys. And, and that's, you know, really where I think over time, you know, we've built a culture of development. We've built a culture where guys enjoy being with each other and, and that kind of recruits itself over time. And so, you know, we're counting on that to continue to, you know, build us some momentum in the future. But, uh, but we know recruiting is very, very competitive. And, you know, it's our job <clears throat> as coaches, certainly as the head coach, to acquire as much talent as you can and then, you know, go develop it. I know a lot of people are going to hear that answer. And again, video and audio courtesy uh, Buckeyes now. I, a lot of people are going to hear that answer and they're just going to chalk it up to he's full of shit. They're only going there because of the money. Um, but this is where, like I said in the first segment, the blending of Chip Kelly as a as an offensive mind and the 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 Ohio State reputation of developing NFL ready players comes back into play. Like it it comes full circle in this instant because I do think that you can't just rest on your reputation anymore. Like Nick Saban couldn't just walk into living rooms and say, "I'm Nick Saban. Here's my you know my resume. Come play for me anymore." The money is part of the story, yes. But you, you also can't just be lazy about recruiting and not build those relationships. Like, at the end of the day, the relationship still matters. And I think Ohio State, because they were they were willing to throw money around, but also because they have that reputation, that then gives you the thing that Ryan Day is mentioning there, which is guys that want to be here. I don't think they recruited Julian saying I, I could be wrong on that. I don't remember fully his sort of recruiting – um courtship i know caleb downs though he was a guy on ohio state's radar i want to say ohio state was like his second choice anyway so there was already a built-in relationship there and when push came to shove nick saban leaves it was like okay this is an easy fit for me this is where i want to go and i i think a lot of that has to do with yes the relationship's part of it but also just the ohio state brand the ohio state reputation all those things matter I, ohio state right now is the perfect combination and we always said this like we always said if they were willing to go in on the NIL and, and, and use it as a tool, they had they were going to have guys in the bag constantly because players are going to be ready to come and play for Ohio State just based off of the, 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 the evidence of guys going to the NFL and being successful and winning while you're here. And now the money is a factor because they're, they're, they, have, they have the money and the donors and the alumni base to, to fund this NIL and these collectives and, and get the job done. So it's, it's a perfect storm for Ohio State right now. Are people going to criticize them for it because they're the, the New York Yankees of college football right now? Sure. But, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. They now got to deliver. You're going to get made fun of. But I, I do think that people who are going to sit there and do that, screw them. It, you know, the only way you shut them up is go win the national championship. And, and that's clearly what they're trying to do here. Um, but I, I, I just – I can't get past the fact that, you know – these coaches, and, and I don't know if Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin seems to be like he's he'd be at the forefront of embracing the NIL stuff, but these coaches who are going to criticize you, let them criticize you. Because if you're going out and you're winning what you're supposed to win and you're going out and winning national championships, nobody's going to care. And they're either going to have to do the same thing to follow suit and catch up to you and also embrace it, or you're going to leave in the dust continually. Um, so I, 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 he can't sweat that stuff. 
And I thought he played. Uh, he 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 gave a very political answer, just in saying that recruiting is always competitive, and so you're going to get some people who are a little fired up about it. But you know, the idea that they want guys who want to be here, and I think they vet that process pretty thoroughly. And guys want to be at Ohio State because of what they've established, the history that's there, all those different things. Um, I also don't think, as he alluded to, it can't be understated the opening of the doors and giving access to current players, but also NFL guys who can vouch for Ohio State. You have C.J. Stroud going out after winning Offensive Rookie of the Year and and thanking Ryan Day in Ohio State. Like That all goes a long way in making Ohio State a place that these players want to be, like Ryan Day was saying, on top of the fact that, yeah, well, here's the bag of money too, makes it all that more enticing for guys to come here. All right, let's take another break. Uh, When we get back, I'll give you the Michigan panic meter. Likely not going to be any changes especially with the the ravaging that's going on to their coaching staff. Also, I want to play this audio from James Franklin that I find really fascinating as well, as he talked about the current affairs and state of college football. But quickly here, let's hear a word from our sponsors. We are back on Sons of the Shoes. Spencer German with you. No Nick Wilson for this episode. Uh, he should be ready, or he should be back with us for Friday's episode. But we appreciate you guys jumping on in, giving it a listen, following, liking, subscribing, wherever you get your podcast, And, of course, with the 92 to the Fan YouTube channel, where I know we get a lot of people commenting on stuff. And we, uh, we, we hope to get your commentary on the Chip Kelly hire, what to think about it, and whether or not it's an, actually an upgrade from Bill O'Brien, as I alluded to in, in, in the first sort of opening segment here. Let's get to, as we always tend to do in this final segment of the show, the Michigan panic meter. Nick and I have both been in the the dark, the darker shades of gray um, throughout the last couple of weeks since Jim Harbaugh left, since uh, he's plucked everybody and their mother away from Sheryl Moore and the staff there at Michigan and uh, be with, with that in mind and in that vein, I am not changing my, my stance. I'm going to assume this graphic right here that is up on your screen if you're a, a part of the video audience, this is probably where Nick is at as well. I'm just going to assume that's true. I don't think he would change. Nothing this past week should have made us change our minds. So we're staying in the dark gray. No room to sort of go forwards at this point. Um, but we'll see what how things kind of evolve as spring changes and and things go on and we get spring the spring game coming up in April and all these different things but uh I think that's a good place for both of us to sort of be located at the moment in the dark dark gray of the Michigan panic meter all right final thing I want to get to here because everybody seems to be chiming in on the current state of college football and the changes and just everything going on across the board right I thought that James Franklin head coach of Penn State had some of the more um, profound thoughts on just in general the the current state of of college football, and I'll, I'll give I'll give James Franklin this. We bust his his we bust his balls, fl- uh, frankly, on this show a lot for in a it, you know puckering up in a in a key moment against good teams like Ohio State and Michigan and other teams in the Big Ten and other really good teams that he faces maybe in bowl games. But the one thing I will give him credit for is when he takes the podium or, or has a microphone in front of him, I do think he has a lot of profound things and well-thought-out things to say, and this is no different. This is some of the best commentary I think I've heard, and this isn't even the full clip. I, I clipped about 2.30 of the, the five-minute clip that he had, um, but I thought this was really well said just on how you approach the, the changing landscape of college football and, and what's kind of changed over time while admitting – that the the money is just part of the business and we can't we can't complain about that from the jump. Here's what he had to say. First of all, let me say this. I know really nobody wants to hear um, from college footballs complaining about about the current model um, because of the money. And I get that. I, I, I do. So I, I want to kind of preface my, my statement. Um, but I do I do think the Big Ten and the SEC commissioners taking a leadership role in this um, is really important because it's not it's not headed in a good direction really for anybody 
Um, I don't think it's 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 the right thing for players. Um, I think you guys have heard me speak on this before. I think when coaches went too far and were limiting where players could transfer to, they were abusing that. We went from one extreme to the other. You you can't tell me that it's good for the student athletes to transfer three, four times. Every time you, you transfer, the likelihood of graduating goes down. Um, I don't think that's in anybody's best interest. The ability to overcome adversity, um, I think, in college athletics is, is really important. I think we've lost some of that, the path of, of least resistance. Um, obviously, when you get into NIL, that, that's a factor. And I think what, what you're seeing is um, my biggest concern is you're having people leave college football that would have never left college football because a lot of the head coaching positions, coordinator positions, and assistant coaches positions, it's gotten further and further away from what they signed up for. Um, everybody knew you had to recruit to coach them. Uh, there was a balance between those two, but all these other things are taking you further and further away from coaching and developing kids and and development is 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 like a word that isn't even used anymore first of all let me say this I know really nobody wants to hear um from college footballs complaining about sorry I had the repeat at the beginning there but um he goes on to talk about that word development in particular and how at Penn State you know they go sit in these kids living rooms and they say, we want you to come to Penn State and we want to develop you. We want this to be a process. That's that's not just you come, get the instant gratification of playing, and and that's it. We send you to the NFL. I think what's what's maybe most interesting about that point specifically is the the development factor. Like the further and further you get away from a program being able to actually get their hands on you and mold you because kids just keep entering the portal and going to this school or going to that school because they're promised different things or they want different things or they think they're going to start somewhere – like the further you get away from that, I think it waters down almost the product that ends up going to the NFL. And we don't see the the full talent or on display at that level because of that fact. So I, I think he's onto something there. I think that's also why a program like Ohio State having the reputation that it has is important because that's a place where they will develop you and you know they're going to develop you. Other schools, I think, struggle with that. If they don't have the the NFL background or base that they can point at and say look at this guy in the NFL look at that guy in the NFL we just keep sending guys to this level then I I think it's it's, it becomes a little bit harder to convince people to stay or stick around or whatever it might be so Ohio State has the benefit of that and I, I do think that development piece is interesting because a lot of this is development it's not just show up and you're the best freshman you're the best senior in high school and so you get to start immediately Sometimes it takes a couple of years for guys to really burst on the scene and, and realize the full potential of their talent that then they can become a good player in the NFL. But they're, if they're just transferring all the time and having a new coach every year, that's not necessarily in their best interest. This is, and this is why I think the portal is almost a bigger problem than the NIL stuff. The NIL stuff is nothing new. We see that at the NFL level. We see guys getting paid, and the players should be able to get paid for their name imaging like this at the very least. But it's the transfer portal stuff because – for some, it works out great, and for some, it's a it's an important tool to have. But there's plenty of guys that also get lied to about different things and promises that aren't kept that they enter the portal for that reason, and then the carpet gets pulled off from underneath them. Or they go to a program, and they realize that program's not a good fit for them, and then they're leaving again and transferring again. Or they enter the portal, nobody's really as interested as they were told, and they end up just trying to go back to the school that they were at originally. I thought this was really some really profound stuff from James Franklin. I implore you to find the full clip because I thought he had some other really good things to say. And I think the fact that he acknowledges out of the gate, it I'm not going to sit here and lecture you about, well, it's all changing and the money and it's it's soiled the sport. But he admits, like, for some people, that's not that's not for them. And I, I think he, he makes some sound points on the development part of this and on the transfer portal part of this and how it can't all just be um, you know, this wild, wild west sort of vibe that we have right now, there's got to be some way to, and I don't want to even say govern it, 
to where you're you're telling players they can't do things because that was the problem originally. He brings it up. Originally, coaches took advantage of the fact that you could only transfer one time. And so you swung in the opposite direction where now it's like a free-for-all, you can transfer as much as you want. I think at that level where you only have four years at max, sometimes a fifth, you get an extra or a graduate or whatever. But at that level, it feels like there needs to be some way to try to focus on the, the best interest of the players and, and make it about that. That can be financial best interest. That can be fit best interest. But it shouldn't just be that guys just get to leave and do whatever they want all the time. And, and I, that, that sounds bad. It shouldn't just be that you get, you, you go into the portal on a promise and then you end up somewhere else. And that isn't a good fit. Like it, it's, it's not a it, finding the right team to get you ready for the next level. I, I think you really got to think about a lot of different factors here. If you're a player pursuing this, but it, it can't just be like a sampler platter where you get a little bit of taste of this and you get a little bit of taste of that. They're missing that key point of that that Franklin brings up of the development part, and I think James Franklin, maybe more than even other coaches, seems to speak from a place of where he really cares about these kids, and he wants them to get their education so they have something after football, and he wants to be able to be the one who helps develop them to get them ready for for the next level. Um, I, like I said, I just thought it was well said. I thought it was some good audio. I'm, I'd like to discuss this even further with um, with Nick, but the idea that there needs to be some sort of governance to the the world we live in in college football, I think is sound. It's just a matter of, you can't go back to what it used to be. You're never going to go back to the, as some would say, the good old days of college football where it was just for the love of the game. Like, no, that's gone. And I'm not even, I'm never expecting it to go back to that at all. Not even an ounce of that should be in, in, in on their radar, what they want this thing to become. But it, I, I think there also needs to be some, some things in place. And, and listen, it's a learning experience. The game's changing but there needs to be some things in place that they're able to make um, they're, they're able to sort of govern this thing better than it is right now in terms of just it being a free for all, all across the board. I don't know if that means it's a salary cap. I don't really love that idea because then you're restricting the money or if it has to do with just the portal and, and, and the number of times a guy can use it or what the restrictions are for it or what the benefit, the benefits are, if you do transfer, if you don't transfer, like if you're able to get your scholarship, like there needs to be ways to protect the players that that get screwed by doing these things too. Um, and, and for a coach like Franklin, who seems to be in it for the right reasons, I want to I, I want to coach and and be a, a mentor for these young men. I can see where he's coming from that from that from that perspective, and we'll see if that ever sticks and becomes a thing in college football. Eventually, I think eventually it's going to have to. Not to say that everyone's going to leave like Kirk Herbstreet and others are crying about. There's always going to be coaches ready to embrace this this challenge and the changing tides. Um, but I, I I think there's going to sort of have to be a middle ground here at some point where you meet in the middle and it's not what we see right now to the extreme, but it's also not what we saw back in the, the good old days, as I said. All right, that's going to do it for the latest episode of Sons of the Shoe. I encourage you and implore you to like, Follow, subscribe at the 92 to the Fan YouTube page, in Apple Podcasts, and the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the show. We appreciate you guys, as always, stopping on by and tuning in. We'll be back with another episode later this week on Friday. Nick should be back with me. Very much looking forward to having some of these conversations with him and with you again. Until next time, take it easy and go Bucks.